choose joy. Mitch, would you grab that for me, please? Um, choose joy. You know, I was thinking, as, it, as they were saying, choose joy, I was thinking about sometimes joy is a fruit. If y'all know this, say it to me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Self-control. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Joy, right? And so we know that fruit, that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it's the result of walking in the Spirit, setting our minds on the Spirit, being focused on the Spirit. But sometimes joy is a seed. Because within every fruit, there's a what? There's a seed, right? So sometimes joy is a fruit, and sometimes it is a seed. So sometimes you have to sow joy. And when you sow joy, you are making a choice to choose joy in the midst of a situation that may not be joyful. Are you with me? So sometimes you sow joy, sometimes as a seed, and sometimes you just enjoy joy as a fruit in your life. It's not one or the other, it's both. Okay, you with me? That, it's going to tie into where we're going this morning. So we want to talk about today, we've been talking about walking in the Spirit. And we're going to talk about today about walking in the Spirit in the midst of challenging relationships. Has anyone in here ever had a challenging relationship? No, because y'all are all Christians and everything. When you say, Jesus be my Lord and Savior, is a piece of cake, right? Life is just easy once you get saved, right? Not exactly. So, I mean, we all have relationships that are challenging. We all have been in situations where it doesn't seem like that person is for us. As a matter of fact, it may seem like they're against us. We, we don't, they're not giving us favor. They're not giving us any type of um, promotions or exaltation or recognition. And so sometimes we are just in really challenging relational situations. And some of y'all are looking at me like, I'm with you right now. <laughs> I feel you right now. So this morning, we want to talk about walking in the Spirit in that environment. Because that's when it's tested, right? That's when, like, are you, re- I mean, I, how do y'all know you can walk in the spirit when you d- just won the lottery? <laughs> when you just won the championship, you can walk in the spirit. God is good, right? Okay, but what on the other side of that? Life is not full of that, right? Are y'all with me? Life is not always all about winning. Life is not always about being chosen. Life is not always about being the favored one. Sometimes you find yourself on the other end, and God still says, walk in the spirit. So we're going to set up the message by a demonstration that if you've been around DP for a while, you're very familiar with, okay? So just work, be patient with me, because not everyone has seen this. This is a classic Sizemore teaching that I want us to see one more time. So if I could have volunteers come up, and we're just going to go through this, because we want to set the table as we go into this today. And some of them are wearing, you know, like, like that's a good one, right? <laughs> Jesus is a good one. Uh, Danielle has a good one. Um, Terry, I'm sorry, and Mitch, I'm really sorry for Mitch, but <laughs> that's the pastor's heart. Mitch, I was trying to give Satan to somebody else, and Mitch said, no, 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 I'll take it. So, all right, so here's the picture. If my soul would, if my um, body, my flesh, my soul, my spirit would come forward. Yes, thank you guys. All right, so here's the picture right here. You guys stand right here. So this right here is you. This is a human being. And a human being is tripart. A human being has a body, also known as flesh. This is not prophetic, but this is is Terry. He's representing the flesh. We have a soul right here, and we have a spirit. This is... 
It's prophetic if you're on this side. If you're on this side, it's not prophetic. Okay, so, but this is the human being right here. We have tripart. Body says we're made up of triparts. Now, before you are saved, this is kind of what it looks like right here. Your soul and flesh, since you're, you're all hooked up in here, you're one. The world is hooked up right here. And the world is being influenced by Satan. And everything, when you sow into the flesh, the Bible says you will reap what? Corruption and death. So when you sow, when you live a life focused this direction, you are going to sow corruption and death. Now, here's the thing. Ben still has a spirit, but they're not hooked up. Okay, so the Bible says before you're saved that you're literally, your spirit is dead. It doesn't mean that it ceases to exist. It just means that it is not powerfully influencing you towards life, peace, and grace. All right, so, so right now, so there's this push. So you got, they're hooked up. There's this influence, and it's going this way. And so the, the soul being the center part of who we are, being our identity, being the place where our mind, our will, and our emotions all is the center of who we are, where the, soul, where, the, where the soul goes, your life will go. If your soul is pointing in the direction of the flesh, your life, the shadow of your life, will begin, you'll begin to experience this. That's called fleshly living. Now, here's the cool thing. The moment Ben says, all right, man, I'm tired of this. Anybody tired of that? Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And I did that when I was 19 years old. The Bible says your spirit comes alive. And this is what happens. Your, oh, good job. Your spirit's hooked up. And because it says those who make Jesus their Lord become one spirit with his spirit. In other words, there's the hookup. You guys hook up like this for me right there. All right. Now, now we're getting into a little bit more of a fair fight. All right. Because how many of y'all know the Bible says that your battle is not against flesh and what? It's not against flesh and blood. Do you know what your battle's against? 1 Peter 2.11 says that your flesh wages war on your soul. It says that your flesh, your flesh is in opposition to the spirit. So there's an internal battle continually going on. You've got your flesh going, let's go this way, let's go this way, let's go this way. You've got your spirit saying, let's go this way, let's go this way, let's go. So before you're born again, it's an unfair fight. Before you are saved, you don't have a choice. You're going in that direction. You might think you're free, but you've got a bad definition of freedom. I thought freedom was I could do whatever I want whenever I want. That's not the true definition of freedom. Freedom is not living a flesh-filled life. That's not freedom. That's corruption. That's death. So when you say born again, you're hooked up. And then get this. This is really cool. Now the fight is getting ready to become really unfair in favor of the Spirit. How many want that? Right? So you're born again. You got hooked up with the Spirit. And then Ben says, I'm ready to get water baptized. I want to get water baptized. Wah! Woo! Bible says when you're water baptized, your flesh is circumcised. It doesn't mean that he ceases to have a flesh because if he ceased to have a body, he'd be in heaven. Right? So he's still here. His body's connecting him to earth. But what it means now is, where's the power? Where's the influence? Woo, unfair fight now. The Bible says this, that if you walk in the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the flesh. Come on. So it's a, it's a battle of not dying to self. I got to die to myself. I got to die to my flesh. I got I to gotta crucify my flesh. I got to do all that. The Bible says when you live to the spirit, you are crucifying the deeds of the flesh. 
Is that good news? So you want to crucify the flesh, live to the spirit. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. So here's what happens is now the fight is unfair. Now guess who's winning the battle? Your spirit. And your spirit's always leading you to what? Life, peace, and grace. And I want to tell you guys something this morning. If you think that you can live in this life, if you can live your life without grace, without peace, you are deceived. You are either deceived or you are living far below what God's plan is for your life. Because God's plan is so good, you are going to need massive amount of grace. You are going to need peace and you're going to need abundant life to fulfill the life as God has called you to. All right, so, but here's what happens. Now Ben, he's saved. He's been water baptized. Now he's got a choice. Every day he wakes up, right? There's a choice on what he's going to do. His soul is his chooser. He can choose. This day is a day the Lord has made. I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. Now, when he does that intentionally, guess what? Pull this way, Dave. You guys pull this way. That's where he's going to go. All right, now, but back up. All right. Flesh, you know what? He's not even fighting the flesh when he's doing that, is it? But say he wakes up and says, oh, man, another day. Same old job, same old, same old, same old. <laughs> it's just, you know what I'm saying? You ever had those days, right? So he doesn't set his mind on the spirit. He's literally giving mouth to mouth to the flesh. You guys want to do a melodrama? <laughs> he's giving, he's, he's waking up the flesh. He's raising the flesh from the dead. And the flesh awakens merely by not setting his mind on flesh. And now where is he being pulled? Let's go, let's go, let's go. And he's moving towards corruption and death. All right, so I just wanted, does that, okay, does that sort of make sense right there? All right, you guys, can you give them a hand and you guys can, you guys can be seated. Thank you, guys. You like being, I'm with you. So, Galatians 5, 6 says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So they're in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. You ever been there? Like you know you've got a complicated boss. You know maybe your spouse, things are a little, you know, tense in that relationship. And I know how I want to respond to her. Like I know the way I what's pleasing to God, how to respond to her. But then something happens. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Do I have to say any more? Like, you know how you should respond, but in even in all your willpower and all that, you don't respond the way you want to respond. It's because it's like, oh, man, you can't do the things you please to do when you're being led by the flesh. You can fool this to a degree, but you cannot fool this. You will live out of this. So... They are fighting. What are they fighting about? They are fighting over your soul. It's so easy to think the battle is out here. It's so easy to think the battle is my wife, the battle is my kids, the battle is my boss, the battle is my neighbors. It's so easy to get distracted. And if you're not aware of it, the battle is not out here. If it's out there, you'll be shadow boxing. You'll be chasing things all of your life. You'll never break that cycle of frustration. You've got to win the battle in here. This is where your victory is going to happen. It's going to happen within you. 
that's where you're going to end up winning the long-term fight. Because wherever your soul goes, your life will go towards the flesh, which is corruption and death. Or if your soul follows the Spirit, you experience peace, grace, and life. And I know, I know, I know that's what we all desire. Romans 8, 13 says, if we walk in the Spirit, we put to deeds the death, the we put to deeds, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Now, so the question is, is how do we walk in the spirit? That's the question. How do we walk in the spirit? Romans 8, 6, for the mind set on the flesh is what? Death and corruption, but the mind set on the spirit is what? Life. It's life and it's peace. So we know in dwelling place, if you've been around dwelling place any length of time, you know the mindset is a key to walking in the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You say, well, Daniel, what does that mean? Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit simply means setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. What does that look like? Praise and worship. I learned something from my kids. Like, I, I mean, they, the mu- they'd be in the shower, and they've got their music cranking in the shower. I'm like, what are they doing? And I'm like, for Christmas, I got one of those little um, boxes or speakers, and they're loud little boom speakers, you know what I'm saying? So, man, I just, my wife's making fun of me because I got my phone in my pocket, and I'm just walking through the house with my speaker, and I am jamming, baby. I go to get in the shower, and I'm jamming to the Lord. I am praising the Lord, and, you know, what am I doing? I'm just getting my mind on the goodness of God. I'm just setting my mind on his faithfulness. I'm saying, this morning as we were worshiping, tears just began to just fill my my eyes. I was like, where are they filling? My eyes. <laughs> they just, they were just filling my eyes because, you know, I was just like, God, you're so good. Because I had a flashback and I was like, oh, you're so good. I know my course. I know my path. I know the direction that I was moving towards my life. God, thank you. Thank you just for reminding me. Thank you for the joy of my salvation. Thank you for transferring me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what I'm made for. That's my destiny. That's where life is found. So I got sidetracked. So walking in the spirit is a mindset. It's setting your mind. Now, another one, this is where the rest of this message is going to go. Walking in the spirit is another thing. And I don't know if we talked much about this. But walking in the Spirit is sowing what is sowing. Sowing is an action. That's what sowing is. Galatians 6, 8. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Sow to the Spirit, and you will reap eternal life. So walking in the Spirit is two things. It's a mindset, and it's an action. And the action is sowing seed. Now, remember, we said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I did it. See, some of y'all don't think I could do it. Now, that's the fruit. But with every fruit, there's a what? There's a seed. So when you're in the midst of these situations we're talking about, if you take one of those seeds, and if you sow spiritual seed, it says that you will reap life, that you will reap peace, that you will reap joy. So this morning... We want to talk about what does it mean to sow. We, I think most of us know what it means, a mindset, but what does it actually mean to sow into the Spirit? You know, walking in the Spirit isn't a feeling. I love the feeling. You know, I love the sense of, oh, man, it's just so spiritual. This morning, you could, you could probably come into the flesh and tripped into the Spirit this morning. 
You could have probably came in here just fleshy, and then halfway through worship, you found yourself in the Spirit. That's the goodness and the grace of God. You, you, just, you just kind of stumbled into it. But, the, but it's actually, it's a mindset, and it's an act, action. Sometimes we think, oh, it's a trance. It's like, ooh, this mysterious, mystical place of walking in the Spirit. That's not what it is. It's actual choice. It's a choice to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. It's a choice to sow spiritual seed. It does, it's not a feeling. I don't have to wait till I feel like loving Michelle if she's been bugging me. If Michelle's been bugging me, then I'm going to say, all right, Holy Spirit, give me the feeling of love for Michelle. When I feel love for Michelle, I will begin to love Michelle. I'm not going to wait for that. I'm actually going to sow a seed of love in that relationship, and that will move me in the direction of the Spirit. Okay? You guys good? All right. So I'm going to just make sure where we need to go. So, y'all, the enemy's not stupid, right? We don't want to highlight him or glory, but we know who is influencing the world. Satan is influencing the world. The Bible says that he is the God of this world. We know that our flesh is connected to the world, right? So Satan will manipulate circumstances and situations in your life. What he's trying to do is he's trying to get you to focus your, your flesh to tell your soul you got to go over here. So he's going to manipulate things. He's going to try to get you off track so that you go in this direction. That's what he's ultimately trying to do. He can't do anything unless you give him some sort of permission. That's kind of good to know, right? Like, I don't need to live my life fearing Satan doing something to me or causing something in my life. There's got to be a point of agreement. There has to be a place where I, with my flesh, and say, yeah, okay, cool, that looks good, Satan. I'll join you over there. And I know it's not that conscious. It's more subconscious. So, all right, so walking in the Spirit happens when we are fixed, when our soul is fixed in our spirit. How do we fix our soul? Setting our minds on the Spirit and sowing into the spirit. Now, y'all know that we're called to be in this world over here, right? <laughs> we, we, we don't, we live in this world. So we're surrounded in this environment. Although we're called to live in this world, we're not called to be of it, right? We're not called to take on the characteristics of the things of the world. God has called us to live in a place that we are needy of his grace and of his peace. Because if we're living apart from that, we haven't discovered the life that God has intended us to live. If I don't need this over here, then I have not discovered the bigness of my God and how awesome the life he's called me to live. Now, I've asked um, Ashton, my daughter, to share a testimony this morning. And the reason I've asked her to share this, this testimony, because as a family, we've really been walking through this process of, of learning and trying to walk. Why are you laughing, Mitch? <laughs> Mitch had witnessed me have a flesh attack. Um, in the midst of this whole circumstance. Um, so Ashton's going to come up, and she's going to share a little bit of a testimony, and then um, of, of our family dynamic, what she's experienced, what she's been walking through. And um, so, yeah, I'll just, I won't say any more. So can you guys just give her a big hand? Hey, guys. Um, my name's Ashton, and this morning my dad asked me to, share a little story of like how my club volleyball season went. So uh, I've been playing volleyball for a few years. Um, this fall I was on Blacksburg Source City team and I've never been on a team where the intensity level was so high, where our success was really 
based on how hard we worked and everything we had was because we put in the hours. And we were super successful as a team. We won districts, we won regions, um, made it all the way to state semis, but we lost. But honestly, I had never been on a team that really deserved kind of everything they got. Like, we won because we put in everything that we had. And we had some like D1 play, like Annabelle, she was on the team. And now she's going to tech. So like that kind of shows you how much work ethic we put into it. So going into uh, that season ended, going into my club season, I was excited kind of for a break. I didn't know if I wanted to have the pace so fast. I kind of wanted to slow it down a little bit. So I'd been playing club for a few years. I'd been on a national team, and I didn't really want to do that again. So I decided to play regional. It's a little less slower pace less competitive. So um, I was excited to meet new coaches, new teammates. And uh, no matter the circumstance, I had three goals that I really, really wanted to meet. I wanted to be a captain. I wanted to be libero. And I just wanted to have fun. Because win or lose, I, I didn't want it to affect me. I just wanted to like have so much joy. Because like that's what I got from volleyball. That's why I'd been playing for so many years. And so our season started, and there were some injuries. So first tournament, I wasn't playing libero. I wasn't really that sad, but I did. I was a captain. So I reached one of my goals. And um, we won, we lost, but I had a blast. It was so fun. We were traveling every weekend. First two tournaments are great. So two or three girls met. Um, like I said, there were some injuries, so I still had, like, lots of optimism. I was like, next tournament, libero. Like, I can do it. My stats are good. Like, captain, let's just keep moving on with the momentum. And these tournaments are coming every weekend, and it's like a pattern. Like, we keep switching up the rotation, defenses, so there aren't liberos, and it's really confusing, and I'm getting discouraged, honestly. Like, it was hard for me to go every single weekend to a new tournament in Roanoke, or I don't even, we went, like, everywhere. We were staying in hotels, and I even told my parents, I was like, let me Uber here. I don't want you to watch. Like, it got really hard to pour, like, how much hard work you had into it and just not get the success. Like, my goals were kind of, like, receding. Like, I wasn't having fun. Like, it got hard to enjoy it with other people. It got hard to, like, celebrate when other people would be doing good. Um, so, yeah, we got to one point where it was the tournament before the, my last tournament of my last year of club. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to play again, but... We got there, and it was kind of terrible, honestly. Not good. We went to Panera, and my dad made me think of, like, every coach that I've ever had for volleyball. And he made me go through a list of forgiving them, <laughs> forgiving myself. This whole time, I'm like, I don't know if I feel it, but I'm desperate. Like, this is crazy. It was honestly, like, mind-boggling. Like, you watch the team, they're, like, crumbling. And you're like so much potential like when you see it it's like crazy and we went through that literally an hour and a half in Panera it was crazy and went back still lost and I was so ready to go home I was like let's just pump out this last tournament but we got a text from our coach and it said be honest with me like how do you think the season is going so I get to practice <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna be honest like 
this season, I'm pretty disappointed. Like, I saw so much potential in each one of my teammates, and I saw so much potential in myself. Like, I was direct with you. I told you my goals. Like, I wanted to be libero. I wanted to be captain. I wanted to have fun. And she looks at me and she says, well, isn't having fun everyone playing? I'm like, oh, coach. <laughs> no, coach. Like, that's not it. Um, and she told me in all my efforts of working hard that I was coming off as acting privileged. And, like, that hurt me. Like, my heart, like, it broke because I put so much, not even my identity in volleyball, just, like, so much work ethic and time and, like, devotion because I thought if I'm first in these sprints, I'll be libero. If I get my stats up, I'll be libero. Like, I always told myself, work so hard that, like, it's undeniable that you earned that position. And in my mind, I was like, girl, you're working hard. But in my coach's mind, she's thinking, that girl's privileged. She thinks she earned it. I'm going to tell her she didn't. So I went to the last tournament. I was like, man, I'm not going to play at all in my last tournament. And I got there and lost a few games, didn't play that much. And then after a lunch break, my setter goes up to my coach and says, I see Ashton, like, why isn't she libero? And so my coach looks at me, she's like, put a libero jersey on. So I reached two out of three goals at this point, libero and captain, but I still wasn't having the joy. It was still really hard for me to wake up early. I mean, this tournament was from 7.15 to like 10 o'clock at night. And it was halfway through, and I was like, you can do it. Like, it doesn't matter. But then I put the libero jersey on, and we ended up winning the rest of the games that night. And we were celebrating, and we were cheering together, and we were having fun. And the next day, we ended up um, being in the silver bracket, and we ended up placing in that tournament. And the last um, game that day, or the next day, it was a two-day tournament, the last game, the ref looks at me, and he points at me. He goes, God is... And I say faithful. And I knew that even if that, like, the whole season didn't turn out the way I thought it was, I mean, seriously, I envisioned this regional team to, like, beat all the elite teams. Like, I, like, saw in my brain that, like, we were going to be so good. Like, even if it didn't work out that way, I knew that being libero, reaching my three goals at the end, that God was still faithful through it all. And it definitely was hard, like he said. Like, even if you don't feel like you're walking in the spirit, like, it will take a while, and it's just worth it. So that's pretty much it. Man, when I grow up, I want to be just like my daughter. Man, you guys, and you know, we're, you guys say, hey, it's just a sport. What's the big deal? Let me tell you, it's a big deal. So, uh. This isn't rec league. This is open up your checkbook and write big fat checks. This is every weekend prepared to drive somewhere, stay in hotels. It's a large investment. And some of you parents that are sitting there going, I can't believe you do that. You just wait. You just wait. You'll be stroking the same checks. You'll be doing the same thing. So this is a big, big deal. And you know how many know that your kids are a big deal? Like you love your kids, right? And so... You mess, with, you mess with the kid, you mess with mama, and you mess with daddy, right? So you, 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 you stir us up, right? So we, we, we have certain principles that we abide by as a family, and Val and I have always done this. We don't, we've never had a single conversation with any of our kids' coaches, even when we felt like they weren't playing enough or 
you know, we're getting looked over or whatever. We just let them fight their battles. And, uh, and, and this situation was really, really interesting because it was like, what is going on? And we saw her working. We saw her putting in the time. We saw her putting in the effort. And honestly, she was one of the top players on the team. So it just, it just wasn't adding up. And we couldn't piece this thing together. And, you know, Val and I are over there in our heads. We're thinking, okay, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And um, at some point, it kind of came to where Val's like, I think there's like a curse of some sort. Not like, you know, a witch's curse or don't, don't think curse in that way. But several weeks ago, Rick had mentioned how the different types of curses, and there can even be a curse on time, where a certain time of the year, people experience maybe a certain emotion that was set in place at some point, maybe depression or heaviness. And so I'm like, maybe there's a curse on her playing time. Right, like something, like what is the deal? Because we were seeing this pattern. Well, you know what, what happened to me as dad, you know what I'd started to do, right? I'm gonna break this thing. Like I'm gonna figure this thing out. And I've got a confession before we go any further. All right, some of us in our family didn't handle this as well as others. <laughs> but Val learned a lot through it. And I'm really proud of how she learned. No, you know that statement says, you know, I never lose. I either win or I learn. My wife won, my daughter won, and I learned. <laughs> There's two guys that were witnesses to one of the tournaments in Roanoke. They happened to be there, Mitch and Tulio. And I was having a really, really bad day. Because here's the crazy thing. Val, Val was going to these tournaments. I had made it to a single tournament. This one just a, about a month ago was the only one I had made it to. Or a second, I'm sorry, maybe one or two I made it to. And, and uh, Val kept saying, oh, it's so hard. You know, and I'm at home, and I'm like, babe, just, you know, it's just being a spirit, honey. It's good, you know. It's like, it's all going to work out. God is so good. And it's not, it's just volleyball, babe. Come on. Life is so much bigger than that, right? I go to one tournament, and I am erupting. Like, I am so fleshed out because I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, like, the coach is literally kind of ignoring Ashton. And I'm like, this is crazy. She's sitting on the bench. So two games into it, Tulio and Mitch are sitting next to me. They're like, oh, man, we got a 9-1-1. He's getting ready to blow here. You know, like, he is getting ready to explode. And it was all I could do was like, I know this isn't the right thing to do. God, I know I shouldn't go talk to that coach, even in the middle of this set. I know you don't. I know I shouldn't do this, but they need help. And I am here to help them. Because winning is more fun, Ashton. I agree with you. Winning is more fun. It is more fun. I mean, I'm exploding. I'm blowing up. I'm even trying to get the coach to look at me so I could just give her a disgusting look. I know. Go ahead. Judge me. You're better than me. That's fine. But I learned. I didn't lose, right? I'm learning, and I'm learning. Thank God I have a phenomenal wife. Thank God I have an awesome daughter. You know what? After that tournament, we're driving home. I said, Ashton, you can quit. Let's just quit. She said, what, Dad? I don't want to quit. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> Rule number two, we never let our kids quit anything they started. But there's an exception to every rule, right? So, <laughs> so, so I look at her and say, just quit, babe. Go ahead. No, Dad, I'm not quitting. I'm finishing this thing up. I'm finishing so I am on the hunt. I'm going to figure out what the heck is wrong. So I said, I said, okay. I said, all right, Ashton. Man, I'm praying God show me what's, what, what the curse is. All right, so, you know, you're going to, we're going to forgive all the coaches you've ever had. 
and that's the story. So we're in Panera, and we're praying an hour and a half, and God bless her, and, you know, and here I am, I'm like, watch this. We're going to go back to the court. This is in between games. We're praying this all out in between games. We're going to go back into the court, and they're going to like, a coach is going to like, Ashton, come on, let's go. Oh, the winning slam. Ah, Ashton, Ashton. We go back to the game. The whole thing, she's kind of sitting on the bench, and I'm like, what? You know, I thought that stronghold would be broken, and it would just happen like that. Nothing changed. And she's right. You could kind of feel it. It was like, okay, that's not it. That's not him. Because how many of y'all know every challenge dream relationship is an opportunity for three things? It's an opportunity for freedom. It's an opportunity for growth. And it's an opportunity for blessing. So right here, I'm thinking, man, maybe my daughter needs to get set free. So let's focus on the freedom. There's an opportunity here. We can fix all of our mind and all of our attention, all of our energy on what's wrong with the coaches. But no, that's not the point because the battle is not flesh and blood, right? The battle is right in here. Here's where the battle is. And it was raging with dad, like right here. But I'm going to help my daughter, right? There's a passage somewhere that says, before you are ready to help someone else's disobedience, make sure you get your own straightened out first. That's in the Bible. It says, you know, before you want to help someone else, help yourself all right, so I'm over here, so we're walking through all the strongholds, and she prayed, you know, she forgave, and I said, if you have any anger towards that coach, any judgment towards that coach, any bitterness towards that coach, have you ever complained against that coach? All right, ask God to forgive you for all of those things, and Ashton's just like, Jack, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, and I'm like, all right, good, nothing changed, so I was like, Rick, something's going on, there's a curse, a curse on Ashton, we got to break the curse, what do you think it is? So we talked a little bit. So we concluded, all right, remember, every, every challenging relationship is an opportunity for three things. It's an opportunity for what? Freedom, growth, blessing. Let's try it again. Ready? Freedom, growth, blessing. So box number one, maybe she, we're going to get her set free. This complicated situation is going to result in her getting set free. How many of y'all would rather go through a little bit of pain to experience a life of freedom than, than, than live a life of pain and never be free? You know, I'll take that real painful moment, you know, where you pull that splinter out, and it's, it's more painful at that very second, but if you just leave it in and let it fester, and you live a life where that, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt so much where you're consciously aware of it every second of the day, but every time you bump, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, so just don't touch it. So you live your life protecting your finger, and that's what we do with our souls. We say, I oh, mean, instead of going through a half an hour, an hour, a month, two weeks, three weeks of pain of walking through something, that maybe I had choices, maybe I made decisions, maybe I had the wrong response. I'm not talking about living an introspective beating up your life. I'm talking about asking, being willing to ask a few questions. Lord, what part did I play in this? Is there something going on in here that's about me? And so we checked off box number one. We're like, okay, we did that. Next thing Rick said is we were talking about Ashton's personality. Her personality is such as, man, she has a high standard. It is a very high standard. She puts it on herself, and she'll put it on other people. So I thought, oh, oh, yeah, I think she's operating in the law. Galatians says that if you operate under law, you're putting yourself under a curse. I'm like, oh, she's using the law to justify her playing time. Yeah, that's it. She's using the law to establish why she should be playing more than everyone else. We're going to break this law in her life. Curse is going to be broken, and she's going to start playing. So we prayed through that. Nothing changed. And then one night, we're laying in bed. Val and I are laying in bed. And she said, um, you know, when, uh, when I picked up Ashton tonight, she had a conversation with her coach. She said, you know, Ashton was really, really upset. 
and she, she went over the whole situation. You know, the coach said some other things, coach, you know, about her play. And, you know, if a coach says something about your kid, brother, hey, maybe they're not fast enough, maybe they don't do this good enough, that's their right. They're a coach. Like, they got to sort that stuff out, right? But when Val told me that the coach called Ashton privileged, she just invited me into this one. <laughs> Thank you very much, coach. I will now join the fight. So I'm ready now. I'm, I'm call, I will have this conversation with coach tomorrow because you can talk about her. Maybe she's not fast enough. Maybe she doesn't do this as a player or physical skill. But you said she's privileged. Now you're talking about what kind of parent I am. You crossed the boundaries of a coach. That's not the coach's job to tell my daughter that she's privileged. It's on. And you know what? I'm feeling good because I like a fight in the flesh because that's where I come from. That's where I'm raised. I don't mind a fight. Fights used to get me excited. Fights used to get me ramped up. But that's just the flesh. See, that's my old flesh pattern. Confrontation never bothered me. I'm planning it out in my mind how I'm going to have this conversation with the coach. And Val says this. She's like, I tell you what, wait 48 hours before you do anything. What? We got to strike while the iron's hot, babe. This thing is hot. Let's go. Let's get this thing done. We're going to fix this thing. <laughs> she says, let's wait 48 hours. So we're waiting 48 hours. I'm like, okay, I'll submit to my wife. And I'm learning how to do this. It usually works out in my favor when I submit to her. So we're waiting 48 hours. In the midst of the 48 hours, she gets another word. She goes, Daniel, I think we're supposed to bless her coaches. I said, okay what? Bless the coaches. So she and the Holy Spirit start bringing me back. Like they're centering me back on the Spirit. And I'm in agreement. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's an awesome idea. Where the heck did you get that from? Let's bless the coaches. Like, let's bless the people that curse us. Whoever thought of that? That's phenomenal. Let's be patient. Let's not act out of anger or wrath, right? Like, who ever thought of that? For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness. When Val said, let's bless the coaches, she said, let's sow not in like kind, but in kindness. Because like kind would have been... I'm going to treat you the way you're treating my daughter. That's like kind. But that's not what the Bible says. If you look at Luke chapter, we don't have time. We're going to wrap up. But if you, between now and next week, if you look at Luke chapter 26, starting in verse 27 through 38, in Galatians 5 and 6, just meditate on those verses. They are such phenomenal verses on how we are to walk in the spirit in challenging relationships. It'll blow your mind. Can you put the one up there on the Luke passage really quick? It's crazy. Luke 6, 26, 27 says, um, bless those who curse. There it is. <laughs> bless those who curse you. What kind of standard is that? It's God's standard. And here's the crazy thing about God's standard. See, that was Val's idea of offering kindness. What's kindness? It's a fruit of what? The Spirit. And what's in every fruit? A seed. So what was Val doing? She 
And we were consciously choosing to sow a seed of spiritual substance. See, it wasn't all, ooh, wow, I feel it. I feel this overwhelming sense to bless Coach. I feel like this warm sensation to send her some, a gift. It was like, no, we're going to choose right now to sow a seed of kindness because when you sow a seed of kindness, which is a spiritual seed, it will reap spiritual fruit, like fruit. Are you with me? That's an example of walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is sowing into the Spirit. We know kindness is of the Spirit, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. And then the other thing is love, joy, peace, patience. So when she said, wait 24 hours, I was telling her, I said, you know what? I'm going to procrastinate the flesh. And this is my, I, I just, I'm having this conversation with myself. You know how sometimes God will tell you to do something and you procrastinate? Like, hey, go pray for that person. Mm, Lord, is that really you? Yes, that's really him. Oh, Lord, do this kind act. Oh, Lord, do this. Serve this person. Lord, is that really you? You know how we, do, any of y'all ever procrastinate over there? in that area. So I had this really, really simple idea in my own mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to procrastinate the flesh, take action in the spirit. Procrastinate the flesh, take action in the spirit. So when I feel like it's the flesh beginning to pull this way, all right, I'm going to delay my reaction time. I'm going to delay my response time. Maybe it's a text message I want to send. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a look. But delay it. Now, if it's in the spirit, act on it. If the Spirit of God is moving you in this direction, act on it. But then I realized, patience is a fruit. When Val said, wait 48 hours, what she was saying, I don't even know if she knows she was saying this. She said, Daniel, sow a spiritual seed of patience. Because the Bible says that if you sow into the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. How many of y'all know I love sports because sports is a microcosm of life? I love it. I absolutely love it. I love sports. My problem is I'm super competitive, so I lose the sight of the microcosm. You know, like, like it becomes huge. It becomes huge to me. And it's really about life. See, every challenging situation, every challenging relationship is an opportunity for freedom, and do you know what always precedes freedom? Responsibility. Oh, you want freedom for the you want freedom for the keys to the car? Make sure it's my job to make sure that you're responsible, so you don't kill someone or kill yourself. See, responsibility precedes freedom, and so we'll cry out, "Freedom, Lord!" Yeah, woo! Like, we just want the Lord to wave his magic wand over us and go, woo, woo, you're free. Yeah. And we might be crying, freedom, Lord. And the Lord's saying, yeah, you, you need to confess that. You, you need to repent there. You, you need to stop setting your mind on the things of the flesh. Like, it's not a magic wand. Like, there's a part in there where I've got to take responsibility for my freedom. It's either, it's either an opportunity for freedom or it's an opportunity for growth. Look, growth is a beautiful thing. Do you know what baby Christians do? They're messy, right? They're really messy. The problem is Ashton's fruit was more consistent with the mature believer than her dad's fruit was. 
Luke chapter 6, it says, if you do all of these things, right? Love your enemies, lend to those who don't get returned, you know, all these things. It says that you will be, and I don't remember what verse, that's why I'm encouraging you to read it throughout the week. It is to be, you will be considered weos of God. The word weos is a mature son or daughter of God. See, there's babes in Christ, there's adolescents in Christ, and there's mature in Christ. And let me tell you, you don't get mature in Christ without fights, without some battles, without some struggles. All right? So this is it. See, maturity is not easy. Walking in the Spirit and challenging relationships and with difficult people is not easy. And that's why it says if you can handle difficult people by, by sowing into the Spirit, man, you're considered a mature son or daughter. And here's the beautiful thing. Guess what? The more mature, the more reward. If we're not used to he always hearing that in, in Christian circles about rewards because sometimes we think that everything's just an equal playing field. Like you can live and do anything, anyhow you want, and everything just gets distributed equal. Equal grace, equal blessings, equal provisions, equal all of that. That's not the case. One last analogy, and then we're going to wrap up. But like, like I love sports because sports is a, is, is a great analogy. You know, and as a son or daughter of God, you know, do you, do you ever feel like, man, you know, you're, you're held to a higher standard sometimes? Uh, Cade was playing in a, a game the other day. He plays soccer. He scored a goal, and he did like this, just this little move with one of his other teammates. And his coach is a phenomenal coach. His coach is a great guy. His coach is like, Cade, get off the field. Like, he jerked him off the field, and he sat him on the bench, and he had to sit on the bench for a while. And it was just kind of like this, like, you know, like that. Well, well, there's a couple other players, like, and, and like when they score, you think it was for the World Cup, the final goal. You know, it's not like this. It's like, I am the man. I am like, God, you know, and it's like all this. And it's just like, wait, how come I can't do like a little bit of this and my neighbors get away with this? Do you ever feel like that as a believer? You're like, seriously, God, why can't I get away with this? And my lost coworker gets away with that. Where is, where is the equality in that? And you know what the Lord was saying? Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. It's either opportunity for freedom, it's an opportunity for growth, or it's an opportunity for blessing. See, so the reason why there's a higher standard for us as believers is because there's a much greater reward. There's a much greater reward to be considered a mature son or daughter of God by the God of the universe comes with great honor and great privileges. So walking in the Spirit is not always easy. And what we're going to do is we're going to close. With, and by, are we closing that way? Or is it too late? Is it okay to close that way? Okay, so what I want you to do is let's choose. Let's make a choice right now. Let's sow a spiritual seed. They danced this morning, and one of, one of the um, dancers came up to me and, and was like, said, come on, join. And you know what? I looked around, and I said, no one else is joining. I think I'll stay in my seat. But part of me wanted to get up. Part of me wanted to get up. Part of me, there was part of me that says, just dance. So what? You're the only one up there dancing. So what? You know? And so just as a prophetic act, as a prophetic declaration, choose to sow spiritual seed this week. And as we go out, let's choose joy right now. 
Let's sow a seed of joy right now with Michelle and with our children, and let's participate with them as we go out into this world. Are you guys with me? Oh, sorry. Does it? So the call is this. Would you guys stand to your feet? So here's the call, guys. Sow into the 